When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to another live show for the Masterclass. I hope you're all doing very, very well today. My name is Hayley Rabani. I'm your host uh, as ever today after that uh, interesting performance, should we say, Rob. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I think if uh, you want to cure three for an insomnia, you should watch. Yeah, well, three points. Yeah, I suppose it's three points on the board. But uh, look, how are you doing today? How are you feeling after the international break? And are you happy with what we've seen just now? I'm good, Haydar. How are you, mate? I hope you're good. I hope all our viewers are good as well. Um, yeah, look, this game, always after the international break, is always a bit of a funny one. We always say this either after Champions League matches, which seem to be every week now, and, and after international breaks, is that you always get maybe a jaded performance. The most important thing after the international break is that you win the match. And so many times over the years now with Manchester United, over the last six or seven years, that's not been the case. We've always lost this game. So uh, I, I don't think it was nearly as negative as some people say today. I think the performance, uh, it wasn't the greatest performance ever. But the most important thing is that if you do have an average display is that you win the match. I don't think West Brom deserved anything from the game today. And I think one or two nil probably would have been the fair result for in favour of Manchester United. Yeah, I think... Um... I think we probably differ on West Brom. I thought they were, I thought they were all right today. Didn't really offer that much going forward. I think we'll talk about the penalty instance later. You know, perhaps they're a bit unlucky. Before we go on to that, guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on Twitter via Periscope, jump over to YouTube, type in Elite Football Show, and please subscribe because uh, it'd be great to get you on board because we'll be doing a, a show after every single Man United game. So you don't really want to miss out at all. But Rob, let's just start with it. Let's start with this selection and sort of why we went with what we went with. So it was a 4-2-3-1, Oli's preferred formation, which we've seen many, many times. Great to see Tellez get his first start finally. It's been a it's been a while, hasn't it, since we saw him at PSG. 
We saw the return of Lindelof, I thought, was a little bit of a surprise. He did have a bit of a back problem, but he slotted in next to Maguire. I thought we might have seen Axel play. I think it's important for him to get a bit of game time, but no real problems there. Wambasaka to cover the right back position as usual. We had Matic next to Fred, I think, which was a bit of a surprise. I think we've got to drill into that. And then the front, uh, Bruno, and then the front three of Mata, Martial and Rashford. So the way I sort of saw it was same questions as usual. United have to break down sides who sit deep with that low block. We're going to have a majority of possessions. So I thought Mata starting was probably... Not, not a bad decision. You know, sort of he's got a good passing range. He's good in possession. We're going to have a lot of the ball as we had 63%. So he was important in the build-up phase. But I think we saw the same problems, didn't we, around, down that right-hand side with Wambasaka and with Mata. We saw similar issues in midfield. What was your thoughts on the setup? Were you happy with the, you know, the, the sort of uh, the lineup? Was there anything you would have changed? No, not really. I think what fans have to realise is that these selections straight after the international break, you have absolutely no time to prepare. So you haven't got the guys in for training because they've been away and they come back. So what do you have to do? You have to go to your default systems. So 4-2-3-1 is what Ole plays. He plays it whenever he can. If he goes on the attack sometimes, it's because he looks at an opponent, they prepare for it for a week and they can kind of get round all the all the kind of building blocks to actually put a performance in. But looking at the, the formation today, it was quite clear that Matic and Fred were going to sit. Matic was brought in, as you said, to pick the lock. Tellers was giving his first start because Luke Shaw was injured. Um, and it all kind of sorted itself out. And I think that kind of 4-2-3-1 is what Ole plays. The selection was indicative of maybe his preferred partnerships across the pitch. So, you know, as I said on this programme before, it's obviously Maguire and Lindelof are his, are his primary centre-backs. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to play those two guys because they know each other and they know what he wants from them. Uh, and I actually think both of those two guys played really well today. I don't think West Brom offered much really on the front foot at all. Um, but I wouldn't have changed much today. I think, you know, there's I know there's a thirst for... To Enzabi to play matches, and obviously for Van der Beek to play matches, and even Cavani was lots of talk before the match that maybe he'd get a start. But I think Ole goes with what he knows in these situations after the international break, and that is to be safe, but to actually work through their normal system and their tactics. And I thought they were fine. There was there was no real individual errors today. Um, it wasn't the most exciting performance, but it's really really difficult to play against a team when they come and they genuinely park the bus. And that's what West Brom did today. So Manchester United had to play in front of them. They couldn't really get in behind. Um, against another opponent that comes out, you might find that United created even more chances and maybe scored some more goals. But the most important thing today was to get the three points. Yeah, I think, um, I think we probably... Where we differ, I think, is that after the international break, you know... I just it's for me it's not one performance we're seeing this is a this is something i think we see a lot we we look like luster rob we lack intensity we lack rhythm i don't think the i thought we looked comfortable like you said west Brom didn't really offer much but i think the biggest issue is that i don't think we found a way to break down this low block and for me you know it is a real problem we know we can play against sides that press us where we play more you know sort of like i guess on the counter-attack, and I think we're brilliant at that. But we still, two years down the line, we're struggling to do that. A lot of it's to do with the players, but I think a lot of people were happy Paul Pogba wasn't in the squad, but this is exactly the sort of game you wanted Paul Pogba. And I think when you looked over at the fact that we had two defensive midfielders playing, that that's that's a bit of concern going forward for me, Rob, because when I look at it, I'm thinking, we're playing West Brom, like you said, came to park the bus. We need to show more, uh, I, I guess, more ambition. We need to show more 
more uh, desire to get forward. And I don't think we were doing that with Matic and Fred. And I think that's a bit of concern that after the Spurs game, Oli's reverted to the more pragmatic style or the more defence first. And that's the problem, Rob, because, yes, we won the game. Imagine if you'd lost the game, what the, the sort of outroar would have been. But United have to now start being a bit more offensive thinking. Playing Matic and Fred together, for me, probably wasn't the right decision. Do you disagree on the midfield? Yeah, I totally disagree. And the reason why I disagree is, is the same answer that I gave you before, in the sense that it takes you time to prepare these things. So I know that football fans, again, think that there should be this natural chemistry that's always there in the squad and that you know your players and what they do and they know each other. And you chuck them in you say, do you know what, lads, this week you're going to play 4 3 3 and we're going to go for it. It's West Brom, let's take them out. It doesn't work like that. It really, really doesn't. And you, when you talk to players, they'll talk to you about the kind of in-depth work that they do tactically behind the scenes and and the preparation packs that they get about what their jobs are and what they're supposed to do with an opponent. So that's always a difficult thing after the international break to go in and then just kind of make it all click. So it's obvious then to go back to someone like Matic, who, oh, I agree. Like I think like what you're saying in principle is correct. We'd like to see a more attacking style. Um, and I think Manchester City fans might have said that today, you know, that their team had something, a huge amount of percentage with the, with the ball at their feet. And what happened to them? They lost. They're below Manchester United in the table. So you have to be pragmatic sometimes and you have to know when to kind of let it go. It's a bit like boxing. Again, I've said this before. I've used this analogy. You know, to beat your opponent, you don't have to knock them out every time. You just have to make sure you work behind the jab. And that's what Manchester United did today. They worked behind the jab. Uh, if I'd seen more kind of mistakes in the game in terms of positional things, and this is why we said we wanted to do the masterclass, was to talk about these kind of things, um, then I think we could have highlighted that. But I don't think that was there today. I think that they actually passed the ball quite well. And positionally, United looked quite tight. I was pleased that Tellers came in, played in essentially a back four, and looked all right. I was worried about that before the game because I didn't think that, you know, he might have actually got caught out in situations where Luke Shaw wouldn't have done. But he looked good. He looked good going forward and also on the back foot. So I don't think there was all these negatives that people go on. Like you just said there, before the game, people were crowing on that they were glad Paul Pogba wasn't playing. Yet you get a game where the tempo's a little bit slower and people go, why is the tempo slower? Well, you haven't got Paul Pogba in the team. So, yeah, so all of these things, you know, like again, it's not particularly controversial to play Rashford and Martial. It's not particularly controversial this season to play Matter. Though, of course, I think in in last year we may not have seen Matter start this specific game, but he's had good form before this point. Um, but of course, it was slow at times because you've got this big low block in front of you that it's hard to get around. And like you just said there, it would be great that we could just say to Manchester United, right, let's just play attacking football like this and all that progress is there and all that acumen is there that we do in training and we can just turn it on. I still don't believe we're in that place. I really, really don't. I think this is still a Manchester United team in the building and in the making and there are flashes of good signs. Like I think one of the things the pundit said today was, you know, what would United do about Bruno Fernandes? And I've said a similar thing, you know, he's the kind of heartbeat of the kind of creation that we want to see. But even Bruno's not perfect. He gave the ball away plenty today. So there are things to fix always, but it's about winning games at this point. And today was a good win. I think West Brom came for a point if they could get it or, or nick a three-pointer. But I don't think they deserved it. They had a couple of counter-attacks. De Gea had a couple of saves to make. But overall, Manchester United dominated the match. But I get that fans want this kind of crazy entertainment all the time. You know, if they don't get what they don't want, then they're unhappy. 
and they're going to spit the dummy out of the pram. You know, football professional sport is about winning and facilitating winning. And today, Manchester United did that. And I think they could have won two or three or four nil comfortably today. I thought Rashford had a guilt-head chance in the box where he flicks it to one side. He should just hammer it. That's 2-0. Martial had a chance today. That's 3-0. United could have won this game convincingly today. So the finishing could be better. There could be more dynamic play, but it takes time and the international break does stifle things. Whether fans like that or not, that is the absolute truth. Yeah, you make some good points, Rob. We're going to read out a few of the comments. We've got them flying in. So we'll start with Joe here. Uh, even everything around the goal was very fortunate. It did feel a little bit like that. I mean, Jeffrey's saying here, Oli is becoming more risk averse. That's that's the way I sort of feel. Um, I know a little bit sometimes we disagree on that. Uh, Mosin said here, underwhelming, but we'll take the three points and move on to the next game. Uh, we need to get points on the board. So in that respect, you know, it's a good result. Um, I think Ole started becoming risk adverse when Tottenham smashed six yeah, past smashed us. us. Yeah. Right, because that's when Ole learned that if that was going to happen on a regular basis, he was going to lose his job very, very quickly. Yeah, I've got no problem with managers having defensive tactics. You know, like I said about, about Mourinho, it wasn't that Mourinho had defensive tactics or played a low block or did any of those things. It was just that United were having one chance a game and then we weren't taking that chance. and It would be nil-nil or maybe 1-1 one, one or something like that. Manchester United had plenty of chances today to bury this match and they should have taken them. And we can talk about, obviously, the strikers today and what, what didn't happen in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, but for me, the decisions went the right way today. I, I agreed with VAR and the referees. There was one, obviously, opportunity earlier on, which I thought was a penalty because I think if someone pulls your shirt, doesn't matter if they pull it hard. If someone does this or this, it's the same thing. It's a foul. And that wasn't given for Martial early on. If they get that and they put that in the net, I think the game opens up a little bit more. Uh, in the first half, and then maybe more goals come and maybe more chances. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read out a couple more comments, Rob, here. We have got uh, Absent Daddy. Guys, if you're watching on Periscope, please jump over to YouTube and type in Elite Football Show and watch it there. We'd love you to subscribe. Uh, we've got loads of great shows coming up. We're a team in the making, but not sure about the architect. Um, T88, My Richards. Every game we play, play like strangers, no short, sharp passes. Players are always too far apart. 100 games in. Rob, let's talk about the low block. That's important. Let's talk about how United can break down that low block because we've got to talk about what's wrong tactically or what we're not doing right. So two ways to break down the low block. You either play with width or you try and play through. With, with width, you've obviously got to expose the exploit the space around the flanks. But the problem is today, West Brom played a back five, so that was difficult for United. I think... The other option, obviously, is playing through the middle, but I don't think United have the technical players to do that. We don't move the ball quick enough. I don't think totally. we, yeah. we make those runs, you know, sort of between the lines, not enough quick interchanges. And what you saw is Bruno was coming deep. Now, this is, comes back to my point of playing Matic and Fred together in that midfield. Bruno is the one who has to do everything. And like you said earlier, he's the one who's seemingly doing it all by himself. Now, if United need to find a way to either bring some help for him or to to do something with the midfield. I don't I don't know what to say really, Rob. I'm just I sit there today and I'm thinking, what can we do? Can you play Fred and then with a with a Van der Beek and a Bruno? Can you play Pogba in there with with Bruno and a Matic? I mean Matic just looks absolutely lost at sea and he's he looks like he he can't move properly and then you've got McTominay as well who can maybe slot in there. But Ollie's not obviously going towards playing one with one holding player with more two more creative ones. So what do United do to break teams down then? Because 
it's very simple put you know 11 men behind the ball and then and then you're fine you'll it'll be easy to play against united and then we've got to go and we've got to try and either move the ball quickly switch the play which we don't do enough we try and obviously play with width but i, I don't know what to say to be honest with you, because we're winning today on a penalty. We create, we had 17 shots, which is obviously a lot of chances. We didn't finish well today, and we'll talk about the strikers. But what does Oli need to do to get us breaking down these sides who are going to sit deep? Right, let's try and explain it without it sounding like me bearing excuses for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. United are currently playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. So he's almost picking a new selection twice a week, yeah, for two games on a weekend and obviously playing on a Wednesday night in the Champions League or playing cup matches. That's really, really difficult on a training pitch to put together, to put two teams together and give them enough training time for them to play and mesh, even with players that know each other. So what do you do? You have default systems. You have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C, things that players already know. What we do know is exactly what you just said there, is that United don't have enough talent in the middle of the park. They don't have playmakers. If you don't have playmakers, you can't playmake. So what do you do? You have to look after territory. So what did Manchester United do today? They play Matic, they play Fred, playing two roles that they know that they can play in their sleep. You know, you could have taken Matic out there and put McTominay in there. But the reason why that isn't the case is that McTominay will play the next game, Matic won't. Matic doesn't play two games in a week. So these are all the things that you have to consider. Obviously, people would have wanted Van der Beek to start today. Van der Beek will probably start in mid in midweek. So we have to look at these things game to game, and they have to stretch out and actually make sense. So when Ole sat there and doing his planning and executing and think about where he wants things to happen, he has to look four, five, six, seven, eight games into the future and pray that no one gets injured in the meantime. And he has to look after players. And I think that's what this selection was about today. You know, this, this team came out there. It wasn't an unfamiliar selection. They all know each other. Personally, I don't think Rashford should have played. I think that he looked injured today. I think you could see that why he missed international games is because that problem that he had. But you could see he was off the pace, but he came off the pitch early today. And I think you could have dropped a, a Van der Beek or a Cavani in there from the start. But Ole's obviously looking at it from a pragmatic side of what do I do to make sure that this West Brom team has the most amount of problems? That means you play your players with pace. Rashford is one of them. So United are always going to be that kind of team under Ole while this is the squad. They're going to rely on pace. They're going to look to play through the channels. And they're not going to be Man City playing pick and pop. Yeah, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be De Bruyne with his back to goal, spinning one way, looking to the left, looking to the right, and being able to pick players out uh, from the wings and then coming round. That's not what Manchester United are. We want them to be something more than they are, but they're not that. So we have to be realistic. And I think today, yep, the performance could have been a slightly tighter. Like I said on Twitter, that I thought that they lacked a little bit of cutting edge, and that was mainly in the last third. Manchester United won the game 1-0. But my God, if you win one game, if you win 1-0 or 5-0, the only difference there is that you feel a little bit better if you win 5-0. They got three points. And Manchester United needs to get serious about this because if you win 1-0 every week, that's actually okay. The issue is when you start messing it up and losing points, like they did at the start of the season, where it just wasn't working because of the lack of pre-season. Again, pre-season gives you that training hours to get people ready. So, again, fans don't like these answers. I understand that. And they want to see more. And we all want to see more. But it is a work in progress. And today, Manchester United won.
I, I agree in parts. I mean, I'm going to read out a comment, Rob. Um, I think uh, T88 My Richards isn't a fan of Ollie, so I'm going to read out the comments. I think it's important we discuss these things. So uh, thanks for the comment as well, mate. Um, Ollie doesn't know what to do. We can surely agree that so, um, so same as other clubs, top clubs then. I think he's trying to say two games a week, like other top clubs, it's no excuse. It's a fair point though, Rob, isn't it? Because I think we're looking at it now, United have two games a week until January. Yeah. So your point is spot on. You've got to rotate that squad. And that's why I wasn't so worried that Van der Beek didn't start today because I think he's going to start against Istanbul. But looking at this squad now, can it can it sustain two games a week? Is there enough quality in there? Because I'm starting to doubt it when I'm seeing the way that we played today. For me, Matic looks like, I don't know if he's, if he's finished, if his legs are gone. I mean, giving him a three-year contract is looking a little bit um lo looking like a little bit of bad business but I, i'm not sure united have the squad to do that we're looking at the wing wingers for example i'm not sure we need mason to come back we need him to play but taking all those in things into account united still need to play better they still need to play with more intensity they still need to put out better performances if they're winning one nil every single week and they're playing like this fine but the problem is we're not we're playing poorly week in week out and we're struggling to put a run together what Manchester united needs to do is they need to win that's what they need to do. And performances come after winning. So, the, the, again, this is the balancing point. And I think with Manchester United, we want them to entertain us because that is the football club we are. You know, that's what we expect. And that's the end game. That's the end product of where we want Manchester United to be. It was only two weeks ago we were talking about sacking this manager and bringing in Pochettino. So you've got to realise that, you know, when your house is on fire... You've got to put each room out out one at a time. You can't just pour a load of water in it and things are suddenly fixed and it's gone and it's all done. And I think that's the case with Ole. You know, he needs to fix this kind of one part at a time. He's had a year to do it. We know that it's kind of come so far. We know Manchester United came third last year. But yeah, we want better performances. But we can't just wish them into existence. And there are things that are, are real physical barriers stopping United at the moment. And this two games a week... Uh, scenario that we're having, people might say, oh, we've always had this, but we haven't. We've never had it like this, where we've had a Champions League that rotates Wednesday to Wednesday to Wednesday to Wednesday. It's never been like that. You've had little spurts, but everything is crammed into a much, much smaller space at the moment. And Manchester United went out there and decided in the transfer market that they were going to purchase numbers, which is why we saw them buy the amount of players that they did in this last transfer window, what, rather than buying just, say, the one player that they really wanted in Jadon Sancho. So that's why they made that. They had to swell the squad. So ultimately, again, it's hard for fans because I know that fans looking at it from a very binary standpoint, you know, at the end of a game, do I feel good about this or do I feel bad? Lots of fans saying they feel bad about it today. They're not even bothered about the three points. And of course, Twitter will be a light of people going after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and talking about Pochettino and whatnot. But Ole's job is to win games. Today was a, a marginal victory, but it's still three points. And I'm satisfied with that after an international break. I felt before the game that today might not be the greatest performance in the world because it's always like this. It's, it was even like this during Fergie's times. You know, it, you'd have an international break, they'd come back after playing for England and they all look jaded. And that's how it always is. And Manchester United have got a squad full of players that travel to the other side of the world to play international matches. It takes it out of you. Whereas West Brom might not have as many uh, internationals as, say, Manchester United do. Uh, West Brom played well today, I think, defensively, and they will feel that they could have maybe got something out of the game. But I don't think they really hurt us. 
Uh, and I think overall, you know, we do want to see better performances, but you've got to do what's in front of you, and that is win that that match over 90 minutes. Otherwise, it's not worth it. You can play brilliantly today. United could have been had 30 shots and goal and played fantastic and drew nil-nil or drew 1-1 or lost even, and that wouldn't have been the desired result, would it? Yeah, very fair points. I think um, let's move on to the strikers because I think that's important. And <laughs> Joseph's got a comment here. Martial is not a number nine. United's front three. <laughs> We've got a massive yep. problem right wing. We've mentioned it a lot of times, Rob. And, you know, Mason covered that position after the restart very well. And obviously things going on with Mason off the pitch. Uh, he's not in contention to start. So United need to find a solution to that right wing. So what we saw initially was Matter starting on the right. Matter deserves to actually have game time because he's played well this year uh, today he was he, he was poor i thought and it wasn't really uh the sort of game where he he excelled i thought he would obviously with west Brom sitting deep but what we saw is i think martial today was copying quite a bit of uh slack uh, sorry abuse sorry on uh twitter and the question is is he a number nine now i think for me i thought he looked more comfortable out on the left when cavani came on and i tweeted how exceptional Cavani's movement was. He's always getting into the box, something that Martial's not doing enough. United need to sort out that front three. What are they going to do going forward? Because I think that right wing is a problem. We had Rashford shifting out to the right with Martial, Cavani, Rashford. I think it's time Cavani plays at number nine and see what he can do because I think he's just much more of a natural number nine as we know. And uh, what would you talk, what would you say about that? Sorry. And I know that Martial. On his day, he can be fantastic. He hasn't scored a goal yet. I believe that's six games he hasn't scored in the Premier League. He was his band for a couple. So it's a little bit of a concern that he seems to be not quite at the races. We know, obviously, no pre-season. But um, is his position under threat at all? Well, his position is under threat, and I think everyone's is. But ultimately, we mustn't make this a binary choice again, Haydar. You know, we're making it sound like, well, do you play this player or do you not play that player? Like I just said a minute ago, Ole has to kind of map seven teams into the future about who plays where and when. So today it was obvious that his number nine, who's played number nine for a long time for him and got him a ton of goals last year and a ton of assists, is going to start. Um, I actually disagree with what you said there. I think when Martial went to the left, um, he almost exposed us four or five times by getting caught on the front foot. At a time when we needed United to actually pop the ball forward and keep the ball away from our penalty box, Martial was kind of in the kind of left back channel kind of holding on to it and, and dilly dallying on it. And I was thinking, don't do that because that's how they're going to score. So I think Martial on the front foot looked okay uh, on the left-hand side, but I I think he's now more of an actual striker in terms of his, his all round game than being a left-sided forward. There's no doubt that Rashford is much more natural on the left side than, than I think Martial is. And I think Martial in terms of coverage, because there's no doubt if you play 4-2-3-1, that that person on the left-hand side has to go back and look after the fullback and has to do that job, especially when you've got someone like Teleza who's brand new to the team and doesn't know his teammates. So I thought for the last 10 minutes, that was actually a problem. And you just say, no, you thought he was happier on the left. I thought tactically that was harder and that maybe you know United could have been punished for that selection and putting him there. Cavani, we all know that Cavani works like a dog. He always has done his whole career. He's going to be the guy chasing and chasing and chasing. Now, I know, again, fans love that. I used to talk about Carlos Tevez in the same mould, in the sense that Carlos would never kind of at all um, stand around. He would always be on that front foot and he would always be in, his, in the head, living on the head of the defender in front of him. And Cavani does a similar thing. What you have to realise is that who is your better finisher? Well, if you've got your number nine there, what you have to do 
without failures create for them. So it's hard for Martial if he's not getting chances. Now, today he had a couple of really good chances. Should have scored in the first half. Should have scored, exactly. So, you know, that's what strikers are judged on. So at the end of a game, if someone says, oh, well, I don't know if you're a number nine or not, it's generally on those things. However, those two chances go in, we're not having this conversation, are we? So that's why I'm was really these kind of binary questions about, you know, is this player a number nine? I don't like deciding them on one game or two games or three games. I still look at Martial. I said this last season. For me, he wasn't a number nine. And last year he became one because he scored 23 goals and got six assists. That's a number nine figures. That's what you expect from your number nine. And he does that. But Manchester United do need to create more. And I think that's a bigger problem. You know, I'd like to see more from Manchester United in terms of the midfield. And that's maybe where we can look at, say, Van der Beek in the weeks ahead, maybe playing more games, integrating into the team more. But it takes time. And for me, the, the issue in that front line today wasn't matter. The person who, that I had a problem with today was Rashford. Rashford was stuck on the left-hand side on the touchline and he hardly moved off there. Why? Because he's not fit. So that was an issue for us because what did you see? You saw Matter come infield because he was trying to go over there and make up numbers. So that tactically was a big, big problem. But of course, we're not going to have a go at Marcus, are we? Because he's Marcus. But he probably was the person that was making that attack disjointed today. I don't think it was Matter and I really don't think it was Martial. You, you tweeted something actually about Marcus. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember it, but you did say that he needs to be running the channels rather than... Yeah on the wing just explain that a little bit because I, I do agree with you but explain that what he was doing wrong to listeners okay four two three one that three that sits behind the striker they've got two essential roles one is to keep the width when they can so you see marcus do that he does that quite naturally he'll go right onto the touchline on the left byline and the other most important job is to actually run the channel between himself and the, and the center forward so that's into the box so that means coming narrow and bringing that fullback in as well. And what that allows is that would allow Tellers then to overlap. Yeah, Marcus did none of that today at all. And that's a problem. Matter does it because Matter naturally comes narrow and he's the opposite. He doesn't really want to be on the touchline because he hasn't really got the pace to either come inside or go past the man. So he does that naturally. But Marcus needs to do that more. What I find is that when he's not fit, or he's not quite there for whatever reason, he just goes and sits on the on the wing and plays as a winger. That's what he did today. And that's a problem because that means the space between him and Martial, who's the centre forward, rather than it being like that, is like that. And that makes Martial's job a lot harder as a striker to actually find, to, especially when he plays with his back to goal because he's looking for people to overlap into those spaces. The channels are the most important avenues to scoring goals in modern football, especially if you're playing something like 4-2-3-1, where it's expected that those three players who are attacking midfielders, essentially, go and support the striker and get into the box, create for that number nine. United didn't do that today. But they're the same problems that we've talked about for a long time, about creation and about talent. And United need to, first of all, buy their way out of that issue. You know, United need to buy playmakers if they want to playmake. But at the same time, there are players at the club who can do it, they just need to do it more. The best bits today were when we saw players like Fred kind of just go, right, I'm bursting with this. I'm going forward a little bit more. I'm just going to take that ball an extra 10 yards. And it changed the whole dynamic and shape of that attack. But when you've got two players playing two defensive midfielders, that becomes difficult because you're kind of keeping a shape and you're not joining the dots as quickly. What you found was Bruno kind of, again, coming back 
getting the ball like off the off the defensive midfielders and then turning around and then there was nothing in front of him and it's like well what are they doing so for me that's something that United and Ole need to work on week in week out because that's all the natural stuff that we expect but I don't think it was a horrible performance I know people don't like the performance but I thought the performance was okay it wasn't I've seen a lot worse in the last five years I'll say that for to be bluntly honest but I, I think you know I wanted to see those strikers kind of mesh a little bit more and I think for me it was the left side that was the overall problem today because Marcus was just stuck too far wide see what I disagree I thought today was was terrible we got three points and that's great um but I just I was not impressed and I know after an international break but it's for me it's the same old we got a penalty today and we might as well move on to the penalties role because we do need to talk about Mm -hmm. the rules United obviously didn't get a penalty in the first half with the, the shirt pull on Martial. Now, yeah. was that a penalty or not? Because yes. I thought that was soft, but you're going to explain what, why. What is that? Before I answer it, what do you, what, I, someone said this to me on Twitter. I got loads of people saying soft, 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 soft. What does, what does soft mean? Is there a hard foul as well? Does the referee go, it's a hard foul, so I give that? Me, if it's a soft foul, it's like, well, if it was given, okay, I can understand. Yeah. If it was, so if, given, if, if you're running into the box, Haydar, you're playing Sunday League football, yeah, you run into the box, someone pulls your shirt from behind as you run full. Do you want a penalty? Yeah, of course, I'll fall off, I'll flop. Yeah, if I'm a, and do you know I mean, why you want a penalty? Why do you want a penalty? Because it is penalty. a foul, because it is a foul. So if you pull someone's shirt like that, this is why VAR came about because. People were saying, well, you know, you don't see these things in real time. Uh, and I think there, you know, we can we can debate whether the ref saw it or not, but that doesn't matter. What what we do know is that VAR does see it. So VAR has to make that call. And VAR are not allowed to sit there and say, is that a soft foul or a hard foul? They just say, is it a foul? Yes or no. That's where football is binary. You know, it's where you have to make that choice. Now, people might say, oh, well, it is subjective. And yeah, and I think that's what happened there is that the referees looked at it and kind of gone, mm, no, I'm not giving it. But then we see this with the other decisions that happened today, where, again, people were saying, oh, well, you know, is that handball? Is that not handball? You know, is that a foul? You know, does you know what does Bruno do? And as I said, we'll break those individual points down now for people. But but overall, I think they kind of got most of the decisions right today. The one they didn't get right is that if someone pulls your shirt from behind, there is no soft tug or hard tug. It's a tug. It's a foul. You know, if you pull if you pull my shirt on the halfway line, it's the same as if you pull my shirt on the penalty spot. It is a foul, and you have to give the foul. That's what VAR is there for. Yeah, no, when you put it that way, I I do agree. And uh, if you're not have been given it, obviously I was. I, I just didn't complain very much about if it. it being the other end of the pitch, people say to me, "Oh, what would it be the other end of the pitch?" I'd say it's still a foul. If Martial pulls one of their players' shirts, or we, we've seen it a couple of times, Harry Maguire gets physical, doesn't he? He gets tight and pulls shirts and tugs and all of that. They're still fouls. I don't care if it's for United or not for United. It's about the rules. And the rule book is really quite clear on those things. It's not, it really isn't difficult. And that's the bit where I kind of, you know, my eyes kind of bulge open. Because I think when you look at the decisions today, they were all pretty easy decisions, I thought. You know, really, they really were. Once you saw them with the replay, which is obviously what the, the referees now get to see that maybe we saw once upon a time that referees didn't and fans could actually say oh we saw that but the referee didn't but now of course the officials get to see it yeah that's a good point let's move on to the second one because again that was one which var overturned did you think that was a foul i mean i thought we were lucky as well on that i think 
in, re- but... in real time, I thought it was a foul. In real time, I thought it was a foul. Why? Because Bruno comes from the, the wrong side, essentially, as we call it in football. You know, so he kind of comes around the wrong side of the ball. Um, and it looks like that he kind of gets the player and the player goes down quite hard. And it looks like he's he's gone shin first and then got and, and no contact on the ball. The most important thing is what VAR shows in the replay is that he makes contact with the ball from that side. The ball, you can see the deviation. It only moves slightly, but it shows that he gets the touch on the ball. That's what's important. As soon as he gets the touch on the ball, you then have to default to excessive force. So does he follow through on the player when he touches the ball? Now, if he'd slammed his leg through and maybe just flicked the ball, but then obviously smashed the player hard, that's excessive force. That's a foul. So when the referee goes and looks at it on the monitor, the first thing he's looking for is, does Bruno touch the ball? There's a tick in that box. And that's obviously what VAR sees and says, right, go and look at it. He then goes and looks. And the next question he's asking himself, because it is a staged thing, is, is it excessive force? And you can see clearly it's not excessive force. You know, he's not slamming his leg through the player just to get a tiny touch on the ball. So he gets a touch on the ball. It is a contact sport. It's not a foul. I saw them debate this on the telly afterwards. I have no idea if these people know the rules or not. They're ex-professionals, ex-United legends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And even an ex-referee sat there saying, I thought it was a foul. It isn't a foul. And it is a clear and obvious error. Why? Because the referee went to the monitor, looked at it himself and decided that he got it wrong. Therefore, that is clear and obvious because whatever he thought wasn't really what the thing was, was it? You know, that's what it was. I think without VAR today, that gets given as a penalty every day of the week and you can't really complain about it. Yeah, and it's VAR being used correctly. Correct, yeah. And then we go on to the final one. The final one was 100% penalty for me. We've seen them given all season, really. We we all think they've obviously changed the handball rules. So, you know, back in the day, maybe that wouldn't have been, but it was one. But again, you know, United getting a slice of luck, Rob. You know, Johnson had a great not not with VAR, game. no luck anymore. VAR, it's just yes or no, isn't it? I mean, we had one obviously against um, Palace in the beginning of the season, which so you know everything comes in roundabouts. But obviously, Bruno managed to tuck that one away. I mean, that's VAR again being used correctly, isn't it? Looking at what the goalkeeper's doing. Yeah, I think also with the, with the handball is that people have to realise that that's not VAR's fault. If you don't like the rule, that's something different. So if you don't like whatever the handball interpretation is now, and obviously this year it's from the shirt sleeve downwards. So from up there now, it's no longer handball. So if it struck him there, it wouldn't have been handball. However, it struck it's it struck him there. Therefore, it is a it is a handball. And his his body, his hand is slightly away from him. So it kind of blocks the natural path of the ball. And that's the other part of the rule is natural path. So when you look at those two things together, it is a foul. But also when you look at Bruno's penalty and you look like I said this when, when he took it, I, I've, I've got plenty of experience of, of Sam in goal there. And I said, you know, he's good at these these penalty situations. He always was as a kid at Man United. You know, he's a, he's a good shot stopper off his line. But what did he do? He jumped four foot off his line and saved it that way. And that's not allowed. So this year, now last year, obviously, that would have not been given because of the sense that VAR wasn't allowed to check encroachment from a goalkeeper on the ball. Now this year that they are, it's a, it's a rule change that came in this season. So as soon as he did that, you actually saw his face. He kind of went, the goalkeeper went, because he knew it. He was miles off his line, therefore you have to retake it. I'd rather Bruno scored the first one, but all of those decisions were correct. Yeah, I think the last one for sure was definitely correct. Rob, I'm going to read out a question here from James 
Jackson, and he said, "But does a better manager get more out of the players than Oli can?" I think that's a question which is a very, very fair but, question. But, but, uh, it is a really, really fair question, and this is why I talk about Pochettino. So people, when I talk about Pochettino, people go, "Oh, you're Oli out," and when I actually talk about Oli, they go, "Oh, you're Oli in." It, it, a better player scores you more goals. Yeah. So if you have better players than what you have, you probably win more games. You know, that's how, you know, Lionel Messi might be looking at Barcelona and say, Do you know, once upon a time, I had better players around me and we were a better team. Yeah, of course. That's logic, isn't it? And it's the same for Manchester United. Is Ole the best manager in the world? No, no, absolutely not. You know, but that's not also not the reason to just sack people over and over and over again. You're sacked on results. That's how it should be. And if you're given the opportunity to do the job, then you you should be also given time. So this is why when I say about Ole, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's say Manchester United's form did sink over a period, whether it be two, three, four, five games, that he might just lose his job very, very quickly. You know, we don't know that Pochettino might not get a job in the next week or two, do we? So it's always about choices and you've also got realize that with choices comes consequence. So, you know, if you get rid of Ole now and you bring in Pochettino and say that just completely falls flat for whatever reason and he, you know, United tumble down the table and Pochettino's a bad choice, you realise that a lot of these choices are made on the whole aspect of populism and it shouldn't be. It should be about facts. Yeah, it should be about what's going on. So today, Manchester United won. Now, Haydar, you didn't like the performance they don't care if you like the performance or not. What they care about is that they won the game because it means that they can go to the next training session. They'll have tomorrow off. They'll go back in on Monday or Tuesday. They'll do all their work. And they've gone, right, we won the last game. Now it's our job to win the next game. And that's how football clubs work. It's metronomic. So ultimately, you know, is there better coaches than Ole out there? And yeah, I'd say Allegri was a better coach than Ole. Do I want Allegri over Ole? No, because we would be really boring. Do I think Mourinho is a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I do. I think he's a much better coach. Do I want Mourinho as my manager at Manchester United after what I saw for X amount of years? No. Give Ole a bit of time, and yeah, and like everything with results, if they go bad, then you get sacked, don't you? That's just simple. Um, I want to see United play better football this season, but... I think it's a slow burn. I think people do need a bit of patience. I know people get bored of me saying that, but that's the truth. I think if we were regularly winning, you know, we've had obviously a fairly decentish run, but if we were winning and not playing well, I think fans would be okay because you're picking up the results. Problem is we're not playing necessarily well. Yes, we picked up the results today, but we we had a really good result against Everton. Obviously, we reviewed that game, but it's just about can United now put a run in, in place Next week against Southampton is going to be a difficult game. Yeah. Rob, they're, they're a good side. We struggled it's, 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 it's going to be re- totally. It's going to be really, really difficult. But again, I, I implore fans to realise what the preparation behind the scenes is and what it takes to get it right and how difficult it is. You know, one of the reasons that Manchester City lost today is the same reasons why Manchester United have had issues. It's the same problems, and there's that. It's, it's about preparation. Do you think Pep doesn't think? you know, his players can do it or that his players or his players don't know each other or they don't know the system or they don't, haven't got the right tactics. You know, they had all of the ball today and they lost. You know, his job is to win and he understands that and Ole understands that as well. And I think with football fans, it's it's hard because it's one of those questions of, of, uh, of being satisfied with what you see. And quite often those things don't always match up. We do want better performances, but it's going to take time. It's just it's the only truth. Like, are United suddenly going to be fantastic in the next game? Probably not. 
They're not going to be world-class suddenly overnight. It is a building process. It takes time to put the Lego bricks all together and make what you want to make. And it's easy to say, oh, you know, like, I know you talk about consistency, Haydan. We've said about performances and stuff like this. And I don't want to go over old ground about last season because last season's gone now. But the consistency was there in results last season. People still didn't like the performances. United came third, people didn't like it. So it's hard for Ole, I think, to kind of break through that glass ceiling and actually... You know, unless only United start playing incredible, crazy football and we're like, wow, you know, now we're we're mind blown and we're we're suddenly in love with the team because of the way they play. I don't think we're gonna see that. It's up to the players to do what they can with their ability and with the tactics that they have. I don't really think tactically I'd have done much different today. You know, if I'm if I'm setting up that team, I'm going out with what I know. I'm going to be pragmatic against West Brom. I don't want to get sucker punched in the face on one counter attack. You know, I'm going to I'm going to have two defensive midfielders. I'm probably not going to start Van der Beek. You know, all of these things that fans really want. I think when you look at the cold light of day today, they were the right calls. Yeah, I think you make some good points here. Arian's got a really great comment, actually. To play devil's advocate, this win compared to the media darling Spurs win over West Bromwich Albion was quite comfortable. I do agree the style needs to be better, plus more consistent, but context matters too sometimes. It's a good point. It's something a lot of people have been saying, but I do think... Great comment. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. But then also you've got to look at the other flip side of it, that Spurs are sitting at the top of the tree. I know we're only eight, nine games in. Spurs have played well this year. They've scored a lot of goals. Having a performance like that is okay. The issue for me is United have played like this too too many times this season. Now, if you're picking up results, like you say, one nil results till Christmas like this, I have no issue because you're winning. But it's about when we do play badly, we don't pick up the results. But today we did, Rob. And what I will say as well is that for some reason, everyone thinks you're Oli out. Uh, sorry, Oli in. I don't understand. <laughs> many times on the podcast, you said, you know, Pochettino's a great manager. He'd be a great option. But I think for the moment, you just we just got to, try and get through this difficult period like i said two games a week till mid-january i think that's ridiculous i don't know how the squad's going to cope with that it's really yeah it is difficult and and that's really what ole has to do is to juggle all these balls and make them stay you know it's just the bottom line you can't drop one if you drop one people are going to come after you and and, and i will say to ole you know it, like we said before is he the greatest coach in the world or or not that doesn't matter what matters is how you prepare for each game and what the result is at the end of it, because that's what you ultimately get judged on. Uh, I think at United, we still have this kind of entitlement as football fans where we just expect United to always play fantastic and that's what we want to see. And I, I think before the game, obviously, they had Rio and Scolzi on, on the punditry. And Rio said something along those lines of, you know, we just we went out there and we just expected it. But that was a different Manchester United. That isn't this Manchester United. This is the seven years of failure Manchester United. This is the Manchester United who've had multiple managers because they haven't got it right, because the board have got it wrong. It's going to take time. And I think with Ole, I would rather him give, be given time while he's steadying the ship and while we see these, I think, obvious issues in terms of the calendar. And I think the calendar is a problem. Rather than just put a gun to his head, pull the trigger and then go to Pochettino. Well, that's yours now. You go and fix it now. Because Poch will come in and say, right, I need 300 million. Now, he's not going to get it. Yeah, He's going to have to work with what he's got. But he might do a better job than Ole. But it's all mites, isn't it, Haydar? All of it is, oh, he might do it. He might do it. Well, I, I think he's better. But, you know, it, 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 he kind of left Spurs because he hadn't won an away game for a year. You know, there's things, do you know what I mean? You can pick up and kind of go, oh, yeah, look, I like his style, but he did get sacked from Spurs, even though I personally wouldn't have sacked him. I would have stuck with him. But, oh, but, rebuilt. but he yeah. hadn't won a game away in the Premier League for one 
year. That's why he got sacked. That's why it happened. So, you know, we, we can ignore the facts when we want to and then kind of grab onto them when, when we kind of want to prove a, a point about something. But there are reasons why, you know, as I will say to you, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer won more points than Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. I think I say every masterclass now from January to the end of the season last year. That's a fact. You know, fans don't want to believe that, but it's actual factual. But the problem is as well, Rob, is I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And you're seeing this Klopp versus Oli, right? That's been doing the rounds over the international break because in the international break, everyone gets bored. And it's, it's it seems to be a competition of who can say the most outrageous and stupid thing. <laughs> so so I mean, we haven't had this discussion. Maybe we should at a later time. Maybe we should do a masterclass on this. But there's, there's a section what of the question. So you're looking at uh, Oli's first 100 games at United and Klopp's. Right, Ollie's, Ollie's got a better record. It's about fifty-six percent win rate. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> right. People have used this right as a, yeah. a tool to say, "Well, yes." Yeah, so in two years' time, so four years, Ollie can also win the Champions League and the Premier League. It's nonsense. You can't just twist and turn. I mean, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer's got a better record than Sir Alex Ferguson, but doesn't mean he's a better manager. And this is a problem with statistics. When no, no, those facts, yeah, it, it's 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 crap fact. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Comparing those things, it's 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 stupid. So you know, fans want to use those to kind of prove their points. You know, if you make use a nonsensical fact to prove something that isn't a fact, you know, then you're just Donald Trump. You know, it's just the bottom dollar, isn't it? So you know, is Ole better than Jurgen Klopp? Absolutely not. No way. Does that mean Ole should get sacked? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that Ole's got actually a not bad record over 100 games if, say, he's done better than Jurgen Klopp over that period in the first 100? Well, that's actually something you can stand by and say, well, that's not that bad, actually. You know, I think the thing is that we are, you know, we're the emperor news, news clothes at Manchester United. That's what we are. You know, we always want the biggest, the best, the tastiest, the freshest. We want to be the guys on the top of the block. We want to be the ones with the with the cool tunes, you know, banging in the background. We want to be, you know, everyone on everyone's lips for the right reasons. The truth is that we're not there yet, yeah? We're not Liverpool. We ain't not Man City. And they've got their own problems, whether it be injuries or results themselves. We are Manchester United. It's going to take time. And I know that time is the one thing that Manchester United fans never really allot these days. You know, we used to be really good at it. We used to give a lot of time to managers and to players. And certainly players, we always said a new, a new signing, we'd always say, Give them a year. It's always the first thing we always said. Give them a year because it takes a year to settle in at Man United. Now we're expecting players to play in the first five games. And if they don't play, we're upset or we think that they're terrible or or they're not worthy of the shirt or whatnot. You know, so I don't know. I, I think there's a big question for the fans with those things. But, you know, are we in a terrible place? Well, we're above Man City at the moment. That's not a bad place to be. And I think we're getting better. You know, I, I think over the performances, there is an incremental improvement, whether people want to see it or not. You know, look at the Everton game. If we were talking about the Everton game today, what, did we see good improvements in that match before the international break? We did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. What other questions have we got? Any other good ones? Yeah, we've got two. I'm just going to read out uh, Nissen's comments here because I think it's it's a, it's a good comment. Yeah, let's do we, questions with, 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 uh, with viewers. Yeah, yeah, so he's saying here that we really are papering over the cracks. I honestly couldn't have complained if we didn't win, and that's alarming because we have had many such games this season. That's how I sort of think. I feel like seeing a performance like that is the norm rather than an anomaly. And if you pick up everyone, every team has a bad game, Rob, and they'll yeah. if they win poorly, that's what champions do. But United um, don't don't win well. I don't think stylistically. And we've had this discussion. I feel like I'm more of a football purist, and obviously I want to win, but. 
for me, I've got to see more with the style as well. Two years down the line, I what feel does like purist we... mean? Come on, let's 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 do this live. What does purist mean? Because I hear this thing. I hear fans say these things a lot about. Yeah. Oh, I'm a purist, and you know, I'm a football fan. I go to football matches. I'm a football journalist. You know, I I kind of want to see a certain style of football as well at Man United. I've always said that. What does it mean that you're a football purist? Football purist, Rob. Okay, so for me, attacking football, mm-hmm. the first thought should be. To score goals so for example we shouldn't be scoring one goal and then looking to hold on to that lead that's the first thing so you've got you've got to have that mentality and i yeah. don't feel like you always have that mentality right mm-hmm. the last seven years the second thing as well is playing far, high intensity football doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean pressing but looking to be expansive and the final thing is obviously winning because that should come hand in hand you don't just play beautiful football and not win and i think that the problem is that there are there are times that we're looking to go forward. We'll get that goal, and then that's it. We'll shut up shop. We can't mm-hmm. consistently do that for a prolonged period in a game. And maybe it's naive to think of yourself as a football purist. At the end of the day, if Mourinho was winning 1-0 at Man United and we won the title, I'd be, I'd be delighted because we won the title. But I think at the end of the day, when fans are saying, oh, well, Oli's bringing this, you know, this beautiful style of football, we have not played beautiful football all season. We look more comfortable playing as the away side than the home side it's not beautiful it's not at all i I don't think it's not it's not beautiful and and it's not particularly entertaining and this is the whole thing about being a man united fan is that we're all about the entertainment you know like i just said there the emperor's new clothes you know we want to be that club you know where everyone goes oh wow they're the best team in the land we are not there yet that's all i keep wanting to say is that you know i don't believe it's whether it's people are being our purists or not i think it's about understanding Hey, Dar, I think people have to understand where we still are in this build. You know, and it doesn't happen from one game to the next. It happens from one game to the 50th game, you know, or the 50th game to the 100th game. It really takes... We're over 100 games in now. Mm. It's been... It'll be two years in a couple of weeks, right? When Oli came in. Two years in. Yes, the squad has glaring... We talk about it every single week. Several positions have glaring holes. But two years in, over 100 games in, United have got to be... They've got to have more. They've got to be more fluid. They've got to be um, better drilled. They've got to be more consistent, Rob, in the style and in the results. And they've that's, got, that's yeah. where, I, where I come from. So I understand we're not going to challenge for title. We've got too many. For example, we can't even play a game without two defensive midfielders. So automatically, then you can't go and play this more of an expansive style. That's understandable. I'm not mm-hmm. expecting us to go and be sitting at the top of the tree and challenging Liverpool. I expect us to be playing much more expansive football each week I expect us to be playing and winning more games much more convincingly I think that's do you think Man, do you think Man United have bought well enough in the transfer market to do that well we don't know about this transfer market because about two or three of those players haven't even played yet so essentially you're still going into the game I mean even today only Tellez was a new signing that played so I don't think we have bought well enough no and that's not on Ollie, is it it's on uh, yeah you answered my you've answered my yeah, question yeah, without me even saying it looking at looking at the squad that we have our hands even when like Pogba's back and everyone like that yeah should be doing better the football should be better uh, Pogba that no one wants I want Paul Pogba you know that yeah but Man United fans don't yeah so, so this, so this is the problem. This is the problem. Is that we we want to kind of drill it down to tactics, and this show is about that. It's about tactical choices for Ole and performances and things that actually happen in a game, so we can kind of break them down. 
But the problems are much, much more broader and go way deeper than just a game. And that's why when we talk about these things, it might sound sometimes that I'm standoffish about it. You know, like I don't want to see anything else. I know, James, that you do. Uh, a, a lot of people do want Pogba. I still want Paul Pogba. Someone said to me today, you know, that I'm blind about Paul Pogba. And that's why I kind of say the things that I do. It's not about that. I just, I'm looking at talent and about how you can harness talent. We'll do a Paul Pogba masterclass, Rob. Of course we will. We'll do definitely. And, you know, I, I think Paul Pogba can play better. I, I 100% really do believe that. Um, but I do think that it takes time to make things suited to every all the pieces that Manchester United have got. So, I, you know, it's what Van der Beek said this the other day, you know, when he was interviewed uh, in the international break. And he said, you know, I'd like to have played more games, but I get it. He said, because I'm at a new club and you have to earn your stripes. So you have to earn it in training. And he said, and when I've had chances on the pitch, as he said, I think I've done quite well. Footballers get it. They're not idiots. You know, I don't think fans always get that, that it takes time to integrate and to make these things better. So when you buy four or five players in the transfer market, as Manchester United did last time, it takes time to integrate them. Cavani is still learning. You saw it today. Cavani got the ball and he kind of played the ball into the channel and Bruno went for it. And Martial just stood wide. And really, what Martial wanted there was the ball to feet, to go from right to left to him, so he could come back on his right foot. Cavani doesn't know that yet, because he doesn't know him. So it, yeah, takes, it takes time. time. So it takes time. So all of those things and preparations, I just think we think that, that they happen naturally and that there's a kind of smooth curve of kind of going up like that. And I think with football, it's more like this. It's more kind of like you win, you win two, you lose one, you win. I don't mean in, in literal terms, but you, you know, two things work and then one thing doesn't. Two things work, you might get an injury. You know, Luke Shaw plays four good games and he has one bad game. It's there's a kind of it's that's the inconsistency I think that we've talked about before in terms of United's performances. What I would like to see is more of a winning culture, and that means Manchester United need to win games. So even when you play badly, go and win. Yeah, you could say that Man City have lost that culture. You know, when they don't play well, they lose. They lost nine games last year in the, pre in the Premier League. You know, so that cultural side of winning was what Fergie was good at. I went to pretty much every home game that Fergie managed from all the way through from the 90s and onwards. Yeah, and I saw some stinkers at Old Trafford. I saw United play awful at times and still win one or two nil. And you left thinking that that's okay because winning is what it's about. That's how you win a title. It's by accumulating three points every week. Bang, bang, bang. That's nine points for free, free games. That's how United should be. That's why I think we have a problem at Manchester United is because we've not been more consistent, maybe collecting points this season. But I do see better things in the team. Like I thought we passed the ball the first half, especially today. I thought we passed the ball beautifully. You know, there was no real mistakes. I thought the shape was there. It was good. It just was a bit slow. Intensity it was wasn't slow. There. It was slow. And the problem was that link into the final third. And that was for me, Rashford today. Now we can say Mata was, you know, didn't have a good game. I don't think he did. Didn't have a particularly great game today. But I think it's an issue for him being the right-sided forward because he hasn't got the pace to get around the man anyway. I would have probably have kept Rashford off the pitch today, maybe played Van der Beek somewhere in that system because he was fit. I think that's an important thing. But of course, Ole will trust players that, you know, if he says to Rashford, you know, in training yesterday, are you ready? And Marcus goes, I'm ready. You're going to play him. You know, one reason why Mason Greenwood isn't playing, and I think it needs to be spoken about more, is that obviously a friend of his committed suicide recently, you know, and it's something that's clearly affected him profoundly. 
That's why he's not playing, yet people are still tweeting, why is, why is Mason not playing? Get real, man. This is the real real world. You know, if one of your friends has just died, you may not want to play football. So human reasons, aren't they, for why, why there is problems? Yeah, I was going to add one of my close friends committed suicide five, six years ago. And that was a that was a terrible time for me. And I'm not in the public, you know, in the media. I'm not in the, the public spotlight. So imagine what he's thinking. You're seeing all these stories being written. It's, it's disgusting. But Rob, we got loads of questions. I'm going to go. Yeah, let's do them. Let's do all the questions. While we're live and people are with us, let's do all the questions. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for getting involved. It's been really, really brilliant. Some fantastic points. Asoko said here, what did you make of Telez's performance today? Personally, I was very impressed. He's a real threat to Shaw's position. Uh, I'll start quickly on that, Rob. Mm. I thought he was I thought he was good without being spectacular. I didn't think he did anything particularly um, brilliant. I think the point you made about Rashford obviously hugging the touchline made it more difficult for him going forward. He's obviously very comfortable on the ball. He didn't have much to do defensively. And as you pointed out earlier, that was a concern. But I think we've seen that more quality like Tellez. Imagine if we didn't have him, we'd be pro playing Williams now, who hasn't played for a long time. So I think... Him coming into the squad has been brilliant for us. Baby steps. He's going to be playing regularly now. I think he excels more in the back three. So I'd like to see that possibly um, in the Premier League, maybe against Southampton. So, yeah, that's my view on Tellez. Yeah, I by and large agree with that. I think for Tellez, I'm still concerned overall going forward about him playing in a four at the back. I think that restricts him. You know, he really is a kind of flying wing back. That's what you want him to do. You know, he's got a great delivery, he gets assists, but he can't really do that in a conventional 4 2 3 1. So today he did get the opportunity to go forward. But like you said there, and I said earlier, you know, I think with Mar if Marcus is on that left wing and he's stuck to the touchline, what's what's Teller supposed to do? What, run off the pitch to go round him? You know, is it, hey, you know, Marcus needs to come into the channel and allow him then to come round that side. Once that happens and they get to know each other's games more, and when they do that, obviously, in training, you know, and again, they get the preparation packs and they'll, they'll talk about uh, exposing opponents and stuff like that. I think we'll see loads more from Teller's. No, I thought he was good today. He looked... I like the way he's busy, you know, like he gets the ball. And like you said, Dave, he's kind of on the front foot. You know, he's look, he, he's a progressive player. Uh, whereas I think Luke Shaw, sometimes he's told to defence. That's what he does. He sits a little bit. Wambasaka today, you know, he had opportunities to go forward on that right-hand side, but just didn't really have the quality. And that's a, a repetitive issue that we've talked about all season long and last year. So that's one thing that needs to be fixed. But better, better kind of balance, I think, overall. And I think someone like... Uh, Tellers will give you that balance in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I agree with that. I I really do like the fact he does look to be on the front foot. It's um it's an issue we spoke about with the fullbacks that they don't they aren't the best going forward. I think Luke Shaw's improved with that. Wambasaka we saw today was a bit of an issue. I mean, I, I started uh, gassing up Lamptey Rob, and then he got sent off, so I jinxed him. <laughs> I remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke about him. I'm so. not going to comment about. I, you think Lamptey's the best thing since sliced bread, and I think he's yeah, average. He's I think he's a good player. But anyway, let's move on to uh, Ruhan's question. Just out of curiosity, any of you have an idea what style of football Oli wants? I'll let you go with this first and then I'll give my opinion. Uh, ideally, Oli would love to play 4-3-3. That's where I think Oli would like to be in the years ahead. I think that like Mourinho and Van Gaal before him, were both also favoured 4-3-3 as a kind of set formation. They kind of realised with the squads that they had back then that that wasn't possible. Now, I think with Ole, we saw that for a little bit when he first came into the job, playing a more progressive style. United played well to the end of the season. Then because Man United couldn't defend, they got hammered and they ended up outside the top four. 
Last season, I think there was a more there was a better balance. So Ole would still play four two three one, but there was a better style, especially when Bruno came in that they could join the dots in the attack. So Manchester United came in the top four, came third in the table. This year, I think United tried to play more progressively, like we were saying there. It's what you want to see. It's what fans want to see. It's what Ole wants to see. And they ran into Tottenham Hotspur and they got spanked. So after that spanking, you have to reset. You know, you can't just say, well, do you know what? Let's attack every week and see if we get it right. Because when you're eight games into it and you've lost all eight games, you've lost your job. So you have to reset. 4-2-3-1 is the system that Ole will default to when he feels that he needs to just keep things set and calm and when he's playing an opponent that might sucker punch you, like a team that plays in a low block where you might get done on a counter-attack. Now, of course, we would love to flood them and just be in their box all the time and play that kind of football, and that's very exciting. But invariably, you do lose games like that if you don't feel you're prepared for that. So I think in the future going forward, and I think that's why Ole's bought players like Van der Beek and Cavani. I think they fit a more progressive system that maybe we won't see for another you know, few weeks or even months but that's what Ole wants to play. And he said it. You know, Ole has said, Manchester United play attacking football. I was brought up at this football club playing attacking football under Sir Alex. And I see lots of lots of things that Sir Alex used to do with the team in terms of little tactics or positions or where players play in formations that Ole has adopted. But he still plays at 4-2-3-1 because it's a default system and he knows his players know it. So you bring Matic in, yeah, he might not have the legs that he had, but he's going to sit in front of that back four. Fred's going to go in there and give you a bit of work rate. You know, you look at those things, Marcus is going to play on the left, so Marcus is going to give you that opportunity with pace to get past someone if he gets that opportunity in the channel. No good if he stood on the wing. So there's lots of those things. I think that's what Ole wants to do. He wants to play attacking football. He doesn't want to be a guy that plays a regressive style. And I think that that's where his heart is. Yeah, I think you mentioned some good points there. And that you know moves in nicely to monitoring FC's question coming to a 4-3-3. Do you think a defensive mid should be the priority next? And play 2-8 with Bruno van der Beek or Pogba? I think that's a massive thing. We saw today... I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that when Matic was playing his best football, that's when United looked their best. After the restart was the best I've seen United play for seven years since Sir Alex. Yeah. And we were fantastic. And that also allowed us to play Paul Pogba and Bruno together. I, Rob, I cannot agree with this idea that Jamie, sorry, Jamie Carragher was saying a couple of weeks ago that Pogba and Bruno can't play together. They can play together. We've seen it. But the problem is that we don't have a defensive midfielder good enough, in my opinion, who can play there. I think Fred and McTominay are good together, but both have deficiencies to their game, which means that if they play in that position, I'm not sure. Maybe Fred can do it, but I don't think his passing is good enough. And Paul Pogba was playing very disciplined after the restart. And he, again, he played, he played a 4-2-3-1. We didn't play a 4-3-3. Pogba mm. was playing much deeper. He was much more disciplined. I mean, for me, I think he was even better than what Bruno was doing, but obviously Bruno got a lot of the plaudits. But yeah, surely a defensive midfielder is the position we should be looking at. I think it's more of a priority now than a defender, to be honest. Yes and no. What I'll say is this. France played 4-2-3-1 when they won the World Cup. Where did Pogba play? He played in the two. So he can play in the two. The difference is that at that point, he was playing with Kante, who's probably the best defensive midfielder in the world. So you can play these different systems. When you play 4-3-3, the team that plays it best, I think certainly in England anyway, 
uh, and they play it in a kind of more rigid style than, say, Manchester City play their formations, is Liverpool. So when Liverpool yeah. play 4 3 3, what do they do in their midfield? They put the three midfielders as their most pragmatic players that they've got, the players that work hard and get on with it. Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho sitting deeper, you know, depending on, he's got options in there that he can play. And then you allow the front three to go and kill the opponent. Correct. So the other side of the 4-3-3 is having effective fullbacks. Manchester United do not have effective fullbacks. Manchester United does not have a real pragmatic midfield. Like we have got players that can do it. The issue is we've got flair players in there like Pogba. You know, you've got Bruno sat there. We're now talking about Van der Beek coming in. Say, oh, does Van der Beek play? Well, if you play 4-3-3, Van der Beek never plays, ever. You know, if you play 4-3-3, you probably would have to play Bruno somewhere in that front three and maybe push um, Rashford one side, Martial the other, maybe play Bruno as a false nine. You know, you couldn't play him in the three behind. It wouldn't work. You know, he could play, play as one of those players, but and he would work hard, but he wouldn't give you the pragmatism. He wouldn't keep the ball in the way that maybe Jordan Henderson keeps the ball. Would you choose Jordan Henderson over a Bruno Fernandes in your team? Absolutely not. So this is a dilemma, I think, that Ole has in terms of getting there. You're saying that we should have got Partey. Absolutely. You know, like he's a player we could have gone and get, but he was on Arsenal's wish list for a long time. That so deal... salary of £260,000 a week. Yeah. And, 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 and Sorry, what was that on Partey, was it? 260k a week. Yeah, yeah. And the thing was, like that, that deal was done a long time ago, long before even the date was it was announced. And Arsenal had their their claws into him a long time ago, so that wasn't going to happen. So that's kind of fantasy football element of it. What I will say is this: is that if Manchester United want to play with a, a genuine defensive midfielder in there, they currently don't have it. So I wouldn't say that that makes it the priority because I still think there are other positions that United need to sort out before they set, sort out a defensive midfielder. They've so actually I got... There, Rob. I completely disagree. I think a quality defensive midfielder, one who who can who can move for a start, mm. match, can't move anyone, who can actually pass as well, yeah. you know, has ability to to start the attacks off and to be more creative, to pass through the who'd line. Who'd you sign, Haydar, then? Go on, you've got the checkbook. Who'd you sign? Yeah. Look, it's it's difficult because I wanted Thiago, but Thiago can't keep fit, and Thiago isn't necessarily good at the defensive side. But then you keep hold of the ball. I like Zakaria. I can't like Thiago in a four-three-three. That's not going to work. Yeah, that's you, what I'm you, saying. you think he's you think he's going to give you the pragmatism there? You know, no. he can play in a four-three-three with like with Arsenal. You see, Liverpool this year have gone played started playing a four-two-three-one because yeah. of their injuries. Yeah, so they're actually playing Ole's system. Yeah, and that works perfectly for Thiago to be a modern number six. I always talk about the modern number six role. You don't have to be a destroyer or a Kante. You can sit deeper and you can pass out from the back and you can dictate and be the conductor of the band. If you play 4-3-3, you've got to be dynamic in there. So you can't be... So if United have brought Thiago in and played 4-3-3, we'd have got beaten every week. Yeah, Sorry. that's, that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah. So who, who do we buy? Because there isn't really... He's a good player. Again, expensive. Who's that? Someone like Ndidi. He'd be a good option, possibly. In midfield, who would you bring? I don't, I don't think. I don't think indeed he takes you to the next, the next level. I think he's good, but I don't think he takes you to the next level. I, 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 I think. Uh, sorry, Declan Rice. Would you take him? No, Declan Rice is good, but he, I, I, I find all these. It's like people talking about Jack Grealish at the moment, like he's Gaza. It's like what? Like you obviously didn't ever see Gaza play to say that because it's just not. It's light and day. He's a decent player, but decent players don't always take you to the next level. You do need them in your squad. I look at Manchester United. I think there are issues still at fullback. 
I still think that there are issues somewhere in the attack. I think you could squeeze a number nine in there. You know, I'm talking about Cavani being a short-term option. We've talked about the right side of attack. And I think a conventional box-to-box midfielder is probably more needed. And all of those... Those four positions. Well, who, who would I sign? I, I wouldn't actually replace a lot of the players that people would say that they're replaced with. So for me, if I was playing 4-2-3-1, like Ole tends to play, I'd play Pogba in there. I'd play him with a two, with a defensive midfielder every week because he can do it. Doesn't mean he's the best in the world at defending. He's not a sharp tackler or any of those things. But when you look at the way he intercepts the ball and some of the stuff that he does do, does he give the ball away sometimes? Yes, he does. But you don't always live in a perfect world. You've got to try and work the system through it. So there are lots of players that I would sign across the whole squad for Manchester United. But I don't think a defensive midfielder is like the number one thing because in the current formations, that's not what's going to suddenly change United's you know, style. You know, If you're going to play 4-3-3, you've got to get three players in there that work their asses off. Yeah, and that's what those three do. You've got three defensive midfielders that can play out from there and maybe sometimes support the attack. That's what you need. You know, I don't have that at the moment, and that's why we don't play it. It depends how you're right, but it depends how you want to play 4 3 3. I mean, you just have to look mm. at City and Liverpool. They both play it differently. You obviously got yeah. fullbacks, and that depends how Ollie wants to play it. It seems to me like he wants, he wants fullbacks who can provide the width so that means you'd go to probably a more of a Liverpool style yeah uh, in that midfield if you look at it at the moment Fred works hard Tommy works hard and Bruno works hard the problem is the fullbacks aren't good enough so you can't really go to the 4-3-3 and mm. also I don't think Fred and, and McTominay are good enough going forward as well uh, or you look at City's one they're different aren't they 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 push the fullbacks up and in again the fullbacks are fantastic in their system and mm. they're good going forward they're good comfortable on the ball ours just aren't at the level I would argue I like Tellers a lot, but I would argue the other two, Shaw and, and Wan-Bissaka, going forward, the, the worst fullbacks probably in the top six. And that's a problem for United. And we spent 50 million on Wan-Bissaka. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think... I mean, look, let's look at Arsenal. You could maybe put Saka in there, but you put Tierney in there is better than better than Luke Shaw. You look at Wan-Bissaka, Bellerin's probably better than Wan-Bissaka going forward, not mm-hmm. defensively. Liverpool's obviously, they're on a different level. Cities are better than ours. Chelsea's Reese James is a fantastic player. Chilwell's looking a really good signing as well. Mm-hmm. Has issues going backwards. Tottenham, Reguilon's a really good player. You've got mm-hmm. um, Doherty as well, is a good player. Aria is a bit of a disaster, but he's decent going forward. And then who are the other team? I'm forgetting someone. So, what you're convincing me here, Haydar, is that fullback is probably like a bigger ball. priority than defensive midfield. Yeah, if all which, is, which is what I said. I agree with that. I, I think that United need a right back that does more than Aaron Wambasaka. And I like Aaron Wambasaka, and I think he's got time to develop. But your right back has to be able to play like a right winger on a front foot, and he doesn't. He's not good enough. Can't cross a ball to save his life. So there's there's all of these things that I think I, I think United have got several problems. Like before we talk about the Pogba question, you know, overall, Paul Pogba, I think is probably about the eighth problem at Man United. I still think that there are issues before Paul Pogba. You know, we talk about here, what, what's the question here? What's this one? Would you consider, consider selling Pogba if you can get in Seoul or Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who would bring balance in the double pivot or having an eye for a pass and get getting forward. Look, and this is going to sound silly. On their day, Paul Pog was better than both of those players. And I love, yeah. I watch a lot of Italian football. I love Milinkovic Savic. I think he's a, he's a brilliant player. I love player. them both. Pogba's, yeah, I think they're great players. Yeah. As well. But Pogba on his day is better than both of them. I, I wouldn't sell Pogba, I'd just buy them. You know, yeah. that, that, you know, people keep saying to me again, um, 
oh, I've got a question today saying, why do we buy Cavani and Van der Beek if you're not going to play them? And I'm like, well, they did actually play today. I don't know if you saw them. They were on the pitch. They might not have started. It doesn't mean that you must start everyone because you can't always start everyone. I'd have Paul Pogba in that team with those two players. I would like that, please. That would be what I would want because you've got to have choices. And I think that's the thing with Man United over the years, certainly I would say over the last five or six years, is that we've lacked squad depth. And I think now we're finally maybe just getting somewhere near a smidgen of having a bit of squad depth. So every game when you look at the bench, you go, oh, there's some internationals on that bench. It's not Angel Gomez this week. It's not Chong. You know, you know, it's not just kids. You know, I still want the kids to play. But you've got to have players that can come on and give you impact who are, who are good enough to start. So I think we'll see more of that with Manchester United going, you know, in the months ahead. And I'm, I'm all right with that. I'd sign Saul tomorrow. Yeah, go and spend the money and buy Saul in the January transfer window. But that's on Ed, Ed Woodward and the Glazers. So that's not really up to Ole or you or me. We can crow about these things until we're blue in the face. We need the board to actually go and buy those players for us to actually have better players in our squad. Yeah, I mean, that's a bigger problem that we can talk about. We spoke about all summer, didn't we, Rob, when we were doing transfer podcasts? Um, I've got a good question here as well from Asoko. This is an interesting one that's been said a lot by a lot of people. Should Van der Beek start in the Matarol? Because it looks like he's not going to get in the midfield because Bruno's number 10. And it seems to me, I think he probably could play a similar sort of role. They're both intelligent, as Asoko says here. Um, obviously, Matter drifts in and he's left footed. So it's not too similar, but I think possibly it could work. Uh, so could you do Rashford, Bruno van der Beek behind the centre-forward? That's a good question. Is that I, possible? I don't like van der Beek playing wide. He didn't really do it at Ajax. He always played through the heart. So he either played as a number six, a number eight, or a number 10, always through the heart of the team. That's how he plays. And I think you even saw today that where his duties when he came on were to kind of to push a little bit wider and keep it tight out there is that three or four times he got it wrong he just tactically got it wrong because it's something he doesn't normally do if you were going to play that system and play Bruno in there somewhere unfortunately you'd have to move Bruno to the right hand side because that's a role he has played before um, and you'd have to allow them van der Beek to be essentially the 10 now fans wouldn't want that I don't think Ollie would want that. Well. We Bruno saw it temporarily. And what did people say? They went mad, didn't they? Yeah. Don't play Bruno yeah. wide. He's not a winger. He's not a winger. He's not a winger. Yeah. Well, it's true. He's not a winger. But you could play him there to accommodate other players to get the balance correct. It's always about balance. Um, it's a difficult one. I still think United need to buy for some of these solutions. They're not always in the club. You might find that in the next six months, either Palestri or Diallo, when they kind of, get up to scratch, obviously Diallo still to come to the club, that they might give you that balance on that right-hand side because they're dribblers, they're fast, they're progressives. So they're essentially, you know, unproven versions of Jaden Sancho. That's what they are. But they could quickly prove themselves in the correct system. But it might mean, again, that someone misses out. It might mean that Van der Beek, you know, doesn't get the starts that people think he should. But I do think he'll get a chance to prove himself. You know, I think he came on today and did okay. But it's difficult. It's 50, I think it's minutes here and there, Rob. And this is the thing. Yeah. You know, he's played out 90 minutes. He's played out of a possible yeah. 720. Yeah. That's less than, that's, that's what, yeah. that's less than 
But I'll go back to what he said. I'll go back to what he said the other day and himself. And he said, I'm at a new club. I totally get that I'm not 100% integrated to the systems and everything that they do. And he was very, very complimentary, Manchester United. He was like, but I love it here. I really love the club. Everyone is treating me like I'm like I'm the you know the, the golden child arriving at the football club. I can't believe how kind of well I'm well looked after at Man United. But I get it that it's going to take me time, and I get it that I don't just walk into the team. He said that would be weird itself if I just started games. But of course, he wants to play. But I don't think you just you swap players in and out because you have to do the rotation at the moment because we're under this crazy schedule. And and I think Van der Beek will play plenty of games. We're still, what's this, eighth game in the season in the Premier League? You know, we're talking eighth or ninth game. And we're talking like we're 30 games in. We're not, you know. So I think patience for that. And I think that we will see him plenty of times this season. What I will say as well, to add to the 4-2-3-1 debate, because a lot of fans don't like to see that, but that's actually Pochettino's favorite system mm. as well so when he comes to the club the 43-1 is how he gets the you know his tactics across how yeah. he gets the style across so once he does that then he flexibly goes to a three like a three four three again four two three one is what Pochettino will do if he comes to the club and you might even see that he puts Bruno van der Beek on the right wing because sort of like the Ericsson sort of role you know where he correct looks this is why I wanted to do a yeah. Pochettino one but we've careful because if we do that we might you know we will do a Pochettino one when it's the right time definitely you know this is a thing so fans think that Poch is going to come in and play a 4-3-3 if he comes in obviously I'm not saying he is he's not going to do that there's only two managers who play 4-3-3 the top managers and that's Klopp and Pep in the Premier League yeah, unless unless they bought unless they bought to play 4-3-3 and this is what I'm saying you know about buying and recruitment being in line with strategy and stuff like that i know full well that ole gets sign-offs on the players so i would say that all of his signings since he came to the club i like them all i think they've all done pretty well i don't think there's one signing that we've said in the last 18 months or so that that you know hasn't done well but overall we're still looking to see this kind of magical performances from manchester united and they're not quite there yet and i think if poch came in he would be faced with the same challenges that, that ole's faced with people could say he's a better manager and that is a matter of opinion. Uh, I say, I think that probably Pochettino is a better manager than Ole, but it's not the reason to just change it just like that because you think that someone is better that day. Yeah, it's a fair point. I'm going to read out one more, Rob, before we wrap up. It's not Mm. really a question, but it's from uh, Naya. He says, I think we need to address the elephant in the room. Rashi isn't a left winger and we have no right wing and Martial is hit and miss. I'll let you go with that one first. Do you agree with the idea that Rashford isn't a left winger? We know we have no right winger. And I think it's fair you could say Martial is... Martial's streaky. I wouldn't say he's hit and miss. He's streaky. We've seen he can go and score 25. But the problem is that at Man United, I think you need someone who's a bit more of a consistent scorer. Question is, if we had a proper right winger, would that change things? I think it would. Well, I'll say what I said before in one of our previous shows. We don't play with wingers. We don't. 433 is a wingless system and 4231 is a wingless system. So there is no such thing as wingers anymore. What annoys me is that Marcus Rashford is playing too much like a winger. Yeah. So like in today's formation, I didn't want Marcus stood on the left wing, but he tends to do it, like I said, when he when he's either ill or not 100 percent fit. So that's what we saw today. Um and we talk about consistency. When you look at Marcus's numbers last year, Marcus has scored more goals every year. When he's been in the in the in the team since he came in under Van Gaal as an eighteen year old, was he seventeen or eighteen? And he scored more goals every season up until last season. So that's doing the right thing. 
Martial last year was not a million miles from the golden boot. This That is consistency. You know, I think, unfortunately, this is the thing. If you have a bad game, people can say you're not consistent. But that's not true either. You know, having one bad game is not the right thing. You can say that, you know, is this player the right player? You know, do I think that um, Haaland is going to be a better number nine than Anthony Martial? I do. I believe that. So if you just well, tonight, yeah. So if you just purchase on that kind of philosophy, then you say, "Sorry, Martial, I'm going to go and buy Haaland, and I'm going to drop him in my team, and that's that." Do I think Lukaku is a better number nine than Martial? I do, but would I have Martial as my number nine or Romelu Lukaku at the moment? One hundred percent, I would have Martial. It's about systems. It's about how you build teams. Squad building is a long process. I think the He's got to a point now, Martial, where he's hit an expectation level where everyone wants him to score every week, and that's fine. I think for number nines, you're expected to do that. But there's still a lot more in the Man United attack that needs to be sorted and maybe have different variations. Um, I, I, I think I would like to see, you know, with Rashford, I'd like to see him play less, maybe. I think that's a problem. You know, I think if Rashford could come on and impact games with 20 or 30 minutes to go, that would be not a bad thing to have in your locker. And what I see with Rashford is because he is the kind of figurehead of Manchester United now is that there's this expectation that he plays every minute of every game. So even when he gets substituted, people are a bit like, oh. But then on the other hand, you've got people who are the complete opposite, who don't like Marcus Rashford and don't think he's good enough and don't want him in the team and don't want him at Man United. So it's, it's two extremes, isn't it? And quite often, neither extreme is correct. So I don't think it's whether those two are consistent enough. I think they score plenty of goals. I mean, you look at their their tallies from last season. They're two of the most prolific forwards in in the Premier League, you know, in terms of goals and assists. Not many strikers get 23 and 6. That's a big figure. You know, if Danny Ings gets those kind of figures, people say, oh, Danny Ings, world class. You know, this is the kind of way we're looking at it, isn't it now? But for Martial, there is a higher expectation. His next thing now is that he needs to get 28 and 10 you know, and and take the next step as a striker or risk having a player come into the club, in this case now it's Cavani, that might take his shirt. I've got no issues if Cavani proves it and scores goals. Cavani starts as a nine. That's what having, that's how it should be. It's about competition. And I think ideally that's how football clubs do work. You know, ultimately it's about how you train and whether your your form is good enough. It's very rare that you play when you're playing completely terribly. People might say that about, say, Lindelof and Maguire in weeks gone by. But now all they could say, well, actually, do you know what? My two centre-backs are playing quite well. That's because I stuck with them. So when you wanted me to bin them and shoot them in the head and, you know, bring in two in Zabie who wasn't fit and wasn't ready, I played these two boys, I stuck with them, and now they're playing quite well. And I think that was a big positive today. I really liked how they both stepped out with the ball. They both got the ball and they were driving the ball in the channel. I thought, whoa, this is weird. This is different. You know, they've both been doing this now on and off in the last few weeks. And today we saw them both do it where they stepped out of the pocket. Now, you can do that with a team that sits deep because you haven't really got in midfield to kind of challenge you. But I liked it that they were thinking those things. And that was a positive. I definitely think that both Lindelof and Maguire have been fantastic since, I can't remember what game was it? The camera now, maybe since the Spurs game, but no, they've been they've been really good and they they do deserve their starts. What I will say, Rob, my last word, and I'll let you have your final word. Football is a very simple game. <clears throat> when you haven't got the ball, you've got to restrict the space. When you have, you've got to create more space. I think what United do well, they do the defensive side of it well. I think they are 
organized they have got they know what their roles but i think going forward i don't think they do that well enough so for me what i want to see in the in the weeks ahead i want to see united be more consistent in their in their build-up play going forward i want to see more intensity i want to see more rhythm i want to see consistency in results that's my biggest thing with this united side because I, I think it's a capable united side that's why i get frustrated it's not about whether i want pochettino it's not whether i want ollie out it's nothing to do with that it's the fact that i looked last season i saw this team give me the most enjoyable you know sort of um string of performances after the restart since for a very very long time and i know there's a lot of quality in this squad so for me i mean there are glaring holes but i think this squad can go and especially with the way the landscape is this year city are doing poorly liverpool have got a lot of injuries united can not win the title but they can go and really make a name for themselves in this league this year so that's what i want to see i mean what's your final words before we wrap up that's exactly what i want to say exactly the same thing i think that the only difference is that i think fans opinion is that we all have different kind of methodology in our head of how these things work and I think that's what it comes down to. So th this is why I always wanted to do a show like this, is that we can talk in depth about tactics. Because when you talk about these things to fans in general, they get bored of it very quickly. Lots I've realised as a journalist that lots of fans are not interested in tactics. But then there's lots of fans who are. And they're the fans that I think this this show speaks to, you know, the fans that kind of want to dig a bit deeper than just did someone play well or not today. Because that's just, again, binary, isn't it? You know, lot, most, quite often a player plays well and the next week he doesn't. We've got to look at the reasons why. I still think Ole's building, and the way I would look at it is this, is that the start of the season I expected it to be really hard and it was, and we lost games that we didn't really want to lose, but it wasn't there in terms of the pre-season. You know, Liverpool get hammered 7-2 by Aston Villa. You know, Man City get beaten by Leicester at home. They've got beaten again this week. United hadn't won a home game in the, in the Premier League up until this point. But they did go and beat the best team in Germany at home a few weeks ago. I've seen progress. So I think since the Tottenham game and over those kind of, I think it was what, seven games or eight games now, something like that, there has been the small signs of recovery for Manchester United. And that means getting over the line to win games. That's what I want to see. So even if we're not playing stellar football in, say, the next six, I would like us to win all six, wouldn't we all? Yeah, but that's what I want to see is that Man United are becoming a ruthless team that learn how to beat teams. Today against West Brom, one of the things you said earlier on, and, and I think one of the one of our uh, watchers today said the same thing, was that you know wouldn't it have been surprised if we had lost today. Well, Man United were a better team today. West Brom didn't deserve anything out of that game. They hardly had a shot, and that was that. And yeah, they only lost one nil, but you've only got to lose one nil to lose. And you've only got to score one goal to win a match. That's what's important now is that Man United get the priorities right and that is winning games and performances will come off the back of that. Once you start feeling good about yourself and the confidence flows, you do more training together, we get these horrible international breaks out the way because I think that they are massively detrimental to the players, both in terms of having to go abroad with the COVID risk, coming back, all of this broken training, it really doesn't help the guys. And it hurts the bigger clubs more than it hurts the smaller clubs. The Manchester United do fit into that mould. So let's see where we go. I would like to see that, you know, that we just see uh, an incremental improvement. But the most important thing for Ole is to win games. If he wins games, then there's no chance of Pochettino. And I think that's why some fans who are very much Pochettino in want Manchester United to lose at the moment. And that's not something I'm going to get on board with because I'm a United fan, you know, I'm red till dead. I want us to win every week. 
I don't care who's out on that pitch. I never say I have favourites in terms of a team. If you wear the Man United shirt and you've got that badge on your chest, I want you to win. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so it's a very odd, it's a very odd thing to want your team to lose. I think if if Pochettino wasn't available, I think with obviously with Pep signing a new contract as well, which then eliminates City, you'd think so. You never know. Maybe he's doing that so that if he does have a poor season, because you don't know what's going to happen with City. They look, they look very well. They look off the pace like United. So maybe, as you said, with more games the thing under is, their belts. City, uh, sorry, City dominated Tottenham today. They dominated them, but they lost. The last times they played Tottenham. If you have a look at, I think it was. They had shots or 65 shots to Tottenham on target to Tottenham seven in the last three or four games they've played with Tottenham, but they've lost all two or three games. City dominate everyone they play, but they don't always win. So the trick is that you give up a bit of that domination to score more goals and win and, and be better. And they've got their own problems, you know, in terms of from back to front or whether it be certain players not in form or not playing or whatnot. Uh, and that's a, a kind of a c- eternal question, I think, for Guardiola to find that that formula to get him back to where he wants to be. And I thought they'd win the title this year, but you know they're looking flaky, like they looked last year. And they they lost nine games last year. Man United lost eight. So Ole lost less less games than Pep Guardiola last year. Again, that is a fact, and people don't want to yeah, listen but, to those yeah, facts. See, that's one of those stats for me, Rob. Where I'm like, yeah. oh, but it's, it's, it's rubbish. Over, over twelve months of a season, and especially when you've had a season that was broken up by COVID, that actually does matter because if you lose nine games and there's managers losing less games than you, you are probably not going to win the title if you're a title contender. So that's the way Liverpool last year that they didn't lose nine games, did they? They got no, no, hardly anyone got anywhere near beating them. What, who did they lose in the end to? Watford, you know, they lost, they nearly lost to us at Old Trafford and they, they, sh- they won the title. Yeah. So, so they should have, been, yeah. So they lost a few matches here and there, but they can afford to lose them in between 10 or 15 game periods. That's not happening at City. Uh, and, and also Manchester United, their actual results this season are not being great. They've also not been a complete disaster. So United now, what, a ninth in the table? They need to keep climbing, you know. Eight games in, I would say you don't look at the table till 10 games in, so we're not far away. We're two games away from that. Manchester United could invariably be in that top four very, very quickly. It's up to Man City now to start winning games, isn't it? Because they could be looking at a deficit between, say, themselves, then Spurs, United, even Arsenal above that. You might even look at Liverpool, and they might be too far off the pace. And are they going to get? Are they going to sack Guardiola? No chance. He's going nowhere. They're giving him that contract because that Barcelona job is about to come up. And Barcelona would chuck everything at him to get him back. Still wouldn't surprise him if he went there, even with a, with a two-year deal in his pocket. But I think he probably will stay at City for a year or two. Um, and that's secured at the moment. And he's still his team's still playing probably the best total football out of everyone. It's just that they're not winning games. They have to start winning matches. I think what makes it worse, Rob, final thing I will say on this, is that uh, Mourinho's sitting top of the table. That's what's making it worse for United fans right now because there's a lot of revisionism going on. I love Jose Mourinho. I've always loved Jose Mourinho. But it was awful under him. And I we had this discussion many times. I thought Jose is going to come in. You know, he can take United back to the top. It was so toxic by the end. The football was was terrible. What you're seeing at Tottenham is not what you saw at United. I know today he did a he did a sort of a Mourinho masterclass, you know, with the with the five or six shots on goal and the 2-0 victory and the clean sheet. And obviously he's he's happy about that. But the lowest he block of, of all time, of the all low time. block of low block. So much so that Harry Kane was in his own box defending for large chunks of it. You know, it, it <laughs> though, Rob, it's because at, at United, he was he's not doing anything different. He's got better players at Spurs. He's He's been backed better, I would say, 
at Spurs, if I'm honest with you, I would say. And he's got a better he's got a better squad and a better team, and he's doing well. But I think if he wasn't doing so well, a lot of fans are turning around saying, Oh, well, you know, this and that about Jose Mourinho, but it's just revisionism. All of this is revisionism. And it's just it's just rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, look, look Jose sacked himself. I backed Jose for the job. I thought he was the best man for the job when Van Gaal was being shown the exit. He came in, like I've said before, good first year, um, good second year in terms of numbers in the Premier League, but you could see the performances were on the way and in the third year it all just crashed around. That's what Mourinho does. So, like I said, it, him being uh, him taking the Tottenham team to the top of the table at this point is not a big deal, I don't think. I think he's done well at Spurs, but he has got ready-made players in there that have played together for years and years and years. You know, and they know each other. And having a, a focal point like Harry Kane that drags that football club along. But also having someone like Son, who I think is a world-class forward, that doesn't get the credit. You know, I think he's a world-class forward. And I, I said to someone actually today about him, I said, if Son wasn't South Korean, if he was from South America or Europe, we would be talking about him being a £100 million footballer. But we don't talk about him like that. So that's good for Mourinho because he's got him in his pocket. He plays well every week. He scores lots of goals. He's got lots of good options. So I don't think he's been backed more at Tottenham than he was at United. I think Tottenham did some frugal business. They brought in two or three players in this window that you kind of looked at. And, you know, Gareth Bale is a big name signing. It's no, we, no kind of guarantee that Bale is going to do it this year. Um, but I think overall, we think when he, he came to United, he got Ibrahimovic, he got Pogba, he got Mkhitaryan, he got Bailly. He got plenty of players at United. He just didn't make it work. Lindelof was very highly rated when he was at Benfica. I mean, the was last that another thing question I, was, I saw there. Was that another one? Uh, no, no, it was just a comment from Asoka. He was saying about top four, City, Liverpool and Spurs look like they're going to make it. I mean, City City will be there or thereabouts, Rob. I have no doubts about that. I tipped them for the title. They could still very much win the title. We have no idea what's going to happen this year. But obviously Asoka is saying, so it feels like a competition with Chelsea and Arsenal for one spot. That's yeah. got me worried. I'm not worried about Arsenal. They have no creativity in their side. Chelsea, though, scored the most goals this season. Uh, they're looking like they've got look. They've got a lot of talent going forward. Mendy looks to have shored them up a little bit. Again, it's early early days though. It wasn't long ago, Rob, that Frank Lampard turned up at Old Trafford and people were saying Lampard's worse than Solskjaer. Now people are saying Solskjaer's the worst. It just happens like that every week after each defeat. So, look, I think top four is the aim again. For me, the expectations were minimum third and a trophy. A domestic trophy, even if it's a league cup. <laughs> now I'm thinking, mm, but still, Rob, that's that's the, and then getting out of the group at least to what the round, round of sixteen at least, maybe the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which United is in their hands. Tuchel looks like he's on his way out. PSG look like they're on the brink, Rob, of of just imploding. I spoke to someone yesterday, he's a French journalist. He said Legri's probably going to get the job anytime bye -bye. soon. Bye bye. Yeah, I think to Tuchel. Yeah, I think. That he thinks Poch should get it, but it doesn't look like Poch will get it. So, again, the pressure's on Oli again. You know, if Poch still hasn't got a job each day, and that's why I think a lot of fans do want Oli out because Poch is just sitting there waiting. If he wasn't there, I don't know if the noise would be as loud. Oh, it would be. They'd just, they'd just come, up with, they'd come up with a different reason, wouldn't they? You know, I just think this is this is how it is with football fans, especially United fans at the moment. You know, there there are those who obviously are are blatantly Pochettino in or whatever you want to call it, but 
but it would, take, it would be a complete rebuild. We'd be starting from scratch again. It might mean that United miss out on the top four for a season or two, and you'd have to trust Pochettino to take that team forward. I think all of those clubs we just mentioned there, they're all going to be in the conversation for the top four. For me, again, I don't... You know, you say we, we want a trophy in third or whatnot. I, I, I don't know. It's not that I lack ambition. I want Man United to win everything. That's how I always look at it. That's my default position. I want to win every trophy, ultimately. Every game, every match. But the realist in me says that top four is what you're going for this season because you're not quite there yet in your build, in your development. And I'm not really that bothered about the FA Cup. I'm not really that bothered about the League Cup. You know, I don't get out of bed for those trophies until we're in the final four. They don't motivate me at all as a fan. They're just a tin pot at the end of the day. It's about the Premier League and about the Champions League. They're the two trophies, the two competitions that you want to excel in. I think Manchester United can get out of this group stage. I've already kind of proved that. Let's hopefully get that sealed and delivered in a not-so-distant future. I think cup competitions maybe suit United a little bit more just in terms of the streakiness of the team. But I want to see some consistency and results in the Premier League. And I think if we come fourth this year, I will be all right with that. You know, it's not what it's not my dream. You know, I don't look at it. You don't get a trophy for coming fourth. But it's important to maintain these things while you build. Because it dropped down. Huh? We Sorry? came third. So isn't that Third or fourth doesn't matter. Look, look, second, third and fourth mean nothing. Yeah. yeah? First means but... something. First means something, and the other the other places are just Champions League places. So Man City coming second and spending you know a gazillion pound on their squad is no different to say if Leicester came th- fourth and were in the same competition the following season after spending nothing compared to them. So I, that's how I look at it. You know, I don't again, I don't get excited that we came third last year. I got excited that we got in the Champions League. That's what I'm bothered about. So second, third, or fourth, great. Progress would be second. Third would be parity. Gone to Champions League. What was that? Sorry, happy as well when we got into the Champions League. Absolutely. You know, we, we know why they why why it is as it is, isn't it? We we know the lay of the land and why why the Glazers own a football club. You know, and um, you know why why Manchester United is shaped the way it is shaped. Um, and those are things that as fans we can't really change. Uh, what we would like to see is kind of just that progress on the pitch and to support the boys and get them through it. And I think. We've got better options now, but it's still going to take time. In the sense that I think Cavani is a short-term you know, solution for 12 months. I don't think he's the player that United really want going forward. However, if he has a great season and he's still working hard, then you probably would give him a longer contract and, and you would still give your youth a chance to come through. Look at Angel Gomez. We just talked about him. Look what he's doing in France. He looks- no, he's up. You know, these players that, that didn't get a chance at Man United, I think they will go to other places and do well. It's just that whether they fit your makeup at that time in your build. And it's not always the case. Sometimes you need to go and get a Cavani to come in and kind of just balance the books a little bit in terms of your talent. Um, and I'd, I'd just like to see what these guys can do now, you know, over the next few weeks. I think we're getting closer. It's a slow, slow grind. I know fans want more, but let's just wait and see. We saw what they could do in that Champions League when they beat Leipzig. And that was a kind of, I think, a little smell test, kind of going, is is there, you know, is there quality here? And there was. I think we just have to get Pogba fit. We have to get Rashford fit again now. And the issue is when they're not fit, they definitely, definitely lose form. We see that, you know, we saw it last year when they're not fit. They're not these. They're not the kind of players that break through to get through it and kind of still play at their highest level, which some players do when they're injured. You know, they kind of just carry on. But let's wait and see. 
Yeah, I completely agree. agree. And we're going to probably finish there, guys. Thank you so much for all your comments. It's been fantastic. It's great to be back after two weeks in the wilderness with the international break. Rob, thank you very much for joining me today. And we will be back on probably Wednesday pre-recorded, but we'll put a post out about that. Thank you, mate, for joining me. And to all listeners, make sure you check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Google Podcasts, Twitter, Instagram. And if you're listening to this on Twitter, jump out, go to our YouTube page, click the subscribe button. We're nearly at 1K. You can see on the lovely ticker at the bottom, so please help us. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.